Welcome to a new episode of the TBU Think Commercial Podcast. Today we'll start by looking at the ban on facial recognition software, then move on to the European Commission's decision to approve temporary measures that would allow EU governments to support companies. And lastly, we'll look at Africa's growing reliance on cryptocurrency. On June 10th, we saw how Amazon posted on their blog that they're implementing a one-year moratorium on police use of its recognition software, which comes as part of its AWS cloud computing. Now, the purpose of the ban is firstly to give Congress enough time to implement appropriate rules and regulations for this software. And it also comes in light of the killing of George Floyd and the protest and the growth of the Black Lives Matter movement. This also comes just in time as the US House of Democrats on Monday 8th of June brought forth their police reform bill, which includes a ban on the use of facial recognition technology by federal law enforcement. However, an important point to consider is that organizations that help rescue human trafficking victims and reunite missing children with their families will still be able to use this technology. Now let's hear from Sylvia, our tech correspondent, for some more insights into this story. Thank you for the introduction, Ludo. Amazon deciding to ban police use of their facial recognition software shows that they're putting their money where their mouth is. I mean, how will you be able to justify facial recognition technology to police while publicly stating that you support Black Lives Matter and stand with the protesters? Previously, tech companies have been aggressively competing to develop facial recognition software, but police use of this technology has shown to be a cause of concern among privacy and civil rights activists, particularly the American Civil Liberties Union who requested for recognition software to be halted, as both studies that it conducted disproportionately mismatched black people as having the faces of criminals. A reason for this could be that upon purchasing the software, the responsibility of its governments is set up by the clients. So this story does highlight how facial recognition is less accurate than we thought. But what does this mean for the future of the facial recognition industry? In businesses, there's an increasing amount of pressure for companies to take action against social injustices. Businesses represent a brand, and inaction could harm their performance and profitability, as the future is about value creation rather than just profit creation. And on Monday, the 8th of June, IBM did set the precedent as they wrote to Congress that they were going to back out of the facial recognition business in pursuit of justice and racial equity. This is also in light of the recent protests sparked by the killing of George Floyd. The facial recognition market is currently valued at 3.4 billion US dollars. However, if the House of Democrats is able to pass their wide-ranging police reform bill, this would prohibit the use of facial recognition by federal law enforcement, which could suggest a shrink in its market value. This story has shown that the exponential increase of technology and our dependence on it could have significant implications on the structure of our society. Therefore, it is important that we have greater transparency around the industry in itself. Back to you, Ludo. The European Commission has approved temporary measures that would allow EU governments to support companies which before were deemed to not be viable on paper. What we mean by this is that previously, certain companies were not allowed to receive government funds because of the EU rules on state aid. Now these temporary measures have been welcomed by the tech startup community in particular because they have long asked for these changes to these rules. They feel that these rules hurt tech companies who have a potential to grow, but are undermined by a negative balance sheet. And now we'll hear from Robert, our European correspondent, who will give us some more details into this story. Thank you, Ludo, for that introduction. 
As Ludo has said, the EU has temporarily changed its rules on state aid to allow companies with a negative balance sheet to receive help from the government to deal with the difficulties arising out of the pandemic. Well, what are the state aid rules and why were they put in place? Well, the state aid rules basically forbid governments from propping up failing businesses, which sounds like a good idea to make sure that public funds are not wasted. These companies are said to be undertaken in difficulty and so they cannot access public funds. Well, how is a company classed as undertaken in difficulty? Simply put, a company can be deemed to be undertaken in difficulty if the value of its liabilities is bigger than the value of its assets or if the company is running at a loss. But what was the issue with the current state aid rules and more specifically, how does this affect tech startups? Well, many startups are backed by venture capital and private equity funds, and when we look at their balance sheets, it will show up that their liabilities amount to a greater value than their assets. So, despite the fact that the company's projects could render great profits in the future, and with many businesses already seeing high growth year to year, these companies will not be able to receive government help because on paper, these companies are not viable. Also, many tech businesses will operate at a loss in order to help drive growth, and so they are also excluded from receiving help under state aid rules, despite already being a successful business. So why has the EU temporarily changed the rules? Well, there's been a lot of pressure from tech groups and other enterprises, with more than a dozen tech interest groups from across the EU writing to the head of competition rules, Margareta Vestaya, complaining about the measures. They argued that traditional businesses could access funds because they had a positive financial record, but startups who have a very limited financial record will struggle to prove their viability on paper. For example, in Ireland, the government committed 180 million euros in its sustaining enterprise fund, but it has only seen 1.2% of its fund being approved in the first three months, with many companies citing the EU's state aid rules as an issue to accessing government funds. This is also part of a broader strategy to make the EU more competitive, as the EU has been pressured to produce tech companies that will rival Silicon Valley, so this adjustment to state aid rules is part of an overall strategy to drive innovation on the European continent. Now that these barriers to state aid have been temporarily removed, what does this mean for businesses going forward? In the short term, these businesses will be able to receive the funds necessary to stay afloat during a crisis, allowing them to carry on with their innovation and to carry on growing as they have done before. In the long term, if startups can convince the EU that these temporary measures are a good idea which will help drive innovation, this could lead to a permanent amendment to state aid rules. Now if that happens, we will see more companies having access to government-backed loans, which is likely to drive growth in the tech sector even further in the coming years. Thank you, Ludo. Now back to you. This week's podcast also marks the start of our coverage of Africa as a region. And we're very excited because we have a very interesting story which covers how countries in Africa have been increasingly relying on cryptocurrency. And now Ginica will tell us more details about the story, what it could mean for the present and the future of the continent. Turning to Africa, we see that interest in cryptocurrencies have continued to grow exponentially. This has been evidenced in peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin trading seeing record-breaking spikes. The reason for the popular use of cryptocurrencies can be attributed to the fact that many people in the continent view cryptocurrencies as a tool to protect themselves against high inflation and negative interest rates, issues that are prevalent in the continent. How do cryptocurrencies protect against inflation, you may ask? 
Well, when trading with cryptocurrencies, one may decide to trade based in the direction they believe the market will go. They may sell some of their cryptocurrencies if they feel the cryptocurrencies are overpriced and wait for their value to decline in order to buy them back and make a profit. This is a process known as speculative hedging. When looking at stats such as Zimbabwe's annual inflation rate rising up to 300% in August 2019, it is unsurprising that cryptocurrencies have increased in popularity. Countries such as Nigeria, Kenya and Ghana have all experienced the same as a result of increasing inflation rates. Worldwide, South Africa ranks fifth for crypto adoption amongst connected citizens. Popularity can also be attributed to the ease of using cryptocurrencies when transferring money and the relatively low fees associated. Trading platforms, local bitcoins and Paxful have managed to capitalize off this through their peer-to-peer -peer trading services. 45% of Paxful's 1.3 million wallets are from Africa, while South African-based Luno currently boasts 4 million customers, most of which are African. The future of cryptocurrencies in Africa is yet to be decided. Experts believe that Africa makes a great breeding ground for cryptocurrency adoption. This is yet again due to high inflation rates, as well as economic uncertainty stemming from the coronavirus outbreak. However, in order to achieve this, African countries will need to merge the gap between mobile and internet access as internet penetration is currently averaging less than 40% compared to 62.7% in, in the rest of the world. Furthermore, the regulation of cryptocurrency will be needed to ensure its widespread adoption. So as always, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, be sure to email us at businessupdate.team at gmail.com or on our social media pages. We look forward to hearing from you and we'll be more than happy to help you out. Aside from that, make sure you stay safe and stay commercially aware. Thank you from the TVU team.